In Huxley's Brave New World, apart from the utopian society in which the civilized inhabitants of the world live their drip-fed lives of comfort, conditioning, and predestiny, there are areas termed savage reservations. On these reservations, nature abounds. Man learns many trades to support his family, reproduces sexually, is devoutly religious, and cultural. Certain members of civilized society are allowed to visit the reservations if given written permission, though not many take the opportunity. Why travel long distances for a holiday when a vacation of whatever length and potency lies in the pockets of each man and woman in the form of soma tablets? In E.M. Forster's The Machine Stops, a wonderful short story, he predicts that man's geographic adventures will cease if the world becomes alike all over. In his narrative, Men seldom moved their bodies. All unrest was concentrated in the soul. In Huxley's Brave New World, unrest is concentrated nowhere. It is rather diffused by an unbreaking stream of pleasure and convenience and pacified by prescription poison. Should these fail to satisfy the striving nature of man, the passion of the soul itself is conditioned away, swept not under the rug, but into the undying inferno of communal progress. In these reservations, should a man travel to one in spite of his comforts, he will be faced with, disgusted with, all the things he has been conditioned to hate since the earliest stages of his embryonic genesis, the very abundance of nature as earlier described. In the eyes of Utopia, this biological fear of nature is no tragedy. In fact, it is the very reason civilized people are allowed to visit such a place. Nearly every action, every sentence, and every vibrant celebration that comes from the people of the reservation deeply offends properly conditioned visitors. This offensiveness leads the cautious, disappointed tourists to miss the stability of their daily lives at home. They cherish more than ever the convenience and comfort of a broken world bent to the will of man. While the practical reason given for the preservation of the savage societies is a lack of economic viability for the cultivation of land and the development of the complex systems involved in utopian life, the underlying truth is evident. The reservations are kept and are somewhat accessible to break the spirit of citizens adventurous enough to seek out its lush greenery and musical souls. The music of the soul of the savage finds its roots not purely in passion, something already foreign in its truest form to civilized man, but in strife and struggle. For the heart of Huxley's savage is matured, nurtured even, by the adversity implied in such a holistic yet self-reliant lifestyle. Near the end of the novel, John, in representation of naked man, says, But I don't want comfort. I want God, I want poetry, I want real danger, I want freedom, I want goodness, I want sin. Everything John the Savage desires carries with it the burden of danger as well as the potential for beauty and truth and the requirement of individual action. What you need, the Savage John went on, is something with tears for a change. Nothing costs enough here. It is by careful navigation of the dangerous gems of the world that man's soul grows ripe. 
Such a philosophy, however, is harshly contrary to the core beliefs of the dominant society in Brave New World. Individuality is considered a great evil, each man belonging to his brother wholly, each being becoming not more than a part of some great mysterious whole, marching forward aimlessly in an unconvincing veil of advancement for the species. The natural state of man has no place in the utopian catastrophe described, and John can never sway the masses, not that his goal is to do so. John's heart demands that each man be different, each heart and body his own. However, if one is different, one is bound to be lonely, and loneliness itself seems the greatest evil to those conditioned to place communal pleasure and well-being at the highest possible level of idealism. It is as in H.G. Wells' Country of the Blind. A man with sight ventures into a village of blind men carrying in his mind the proverb, in the country of the blind, the one-eyed man is king. The blind men, however, haven't the slightest idea what sight is and consider it blasphemous nonsense. However, while the protagonist in Wells' story aims to rule, John the Savage aims only to rescue, asking that the people rule themselves individually. This, of course, they can never do. They have not been conditioned for it. Huxley beautifully contrasts man's natural state with the communal comfort he seeks to be barreling after, excuse me, seems to be barreling after, and may one day achieve. With that said, he shies not from the violence of religion and action, nor from the tragedies of a truly meaningful life, nor from the irrefutable humility of even the broadest individual facing the hypnotized flesh of millions. While the rulers of civilized society use the reservation as a fear-festering tool of hate and submission, Huxley uses it to open the reader's eyes to the importance of virtue, the beauty of a soul shaped by vicissitudes, and the interminable multiplication of possibility for man with humble grasp on the reins of his soul, his gaze invariably fixed on the unattainable ideal.